0: January 11, 2024. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe in the gospel of salvation for the remission of your sins, so you can go to heaven and not be like people who reject Jesus and are going to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell, so believe the gospel. Today, I want to lay down the law in regarding transgender children. This has been a plague on our society. The idea that parents when God gives them children, would then slap God in his face, spit in his face, and then destroy what he gave them by trying to confuse and change their gender. This is a fundamental violation of their rights as parents, their duty as parents. It is an attack on the image of God. It is an attack on people by trying to change their gender. It is unlawful. And by God's grace today we'll lay down what the law says. In a way that people won't be able to argue. They'll be able to say they don't like it. But they won't be able to come back with sources to say otherwise. And that's what we want to say. We want to show what the fundamental law is. And before we do that I would like to encourage you to go to Patriot Switch. Dot com slash Jaren, Patriot dot com slash Jaren. This is the number one way that you can support me, my family, the ministry that we do here, where we show the fundamental law and we bring the daily news and make it bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, which is what a lot of people hate, but is what America needs and the world needs. That is your ability to take the money you're already spending. And switch it over to American Manufacturing. You sign up at PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. PatriotSwitch.com slash And if you look at the um, links in the description below this Friday, there is going to be a Zoom call tomorrow. Going to be a Zoom call with myself and my wife where we explain all this stuff. We'll answer questions. Um, there will be all sorts of things. This is where you'll be able to hear firsthand from myself, my wife, and other people that have already made the switch. So if there are people that are casting doubts or if you have questions, this is the opportunity to come. No threat environment. You're not going to get spammed with a bunch of stuff. If you don't want to do it, no harm, no foul. Quit any time. It's not that big of a deal to leave, although people... Like to make it sound like it's a hor, you know, horrible thing. It's not. This is just a very smart way to use your bullets in the economic war that is going on. Let's get into the content. Trans children are an abomination to the Lord, because to spit into God's face and to be an abomination is not what He wants. Proverbs chapter eleven verse one: A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. See, the wisdom of God is that God wants you to judge righteously, John 7, verse 24. When you judge righteously, you are using God's standard for your thinking. You're looking and using God's Bible to determine what is righteous. What is not righteous is to change, try to change, because you're never going to change. You will not change from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. It will not happen. People want us to talk about bio- biology. They want to talk about science, hormones, all sorts of stuff. God made you a boy or he made you a girl, period. And we are in a society where that basic fundamental notion is not only under attack, but it is on the rise. This is a map. That shows the rise in diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Let's just be very certain. Gender dysphoria is a made-up word describing the abomination that God hates. See, in Genesis chapter 1, let's go there. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 God says or verse 26. And God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth." So man was made for dominion in God's image. We're supposed to have dominion over all things. Now, what was the order that God put on top of man? The order that God put on top of man was verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now there's a lot of God haters that want to jump on the usage of pronoun there, but they completely miss the fundamental paradigm, the order, male and female not male or female, male and female. Genesis chapter 2, 18 through 22, God tells you what the purpose of woman is. This is Genesis 2 verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help for him. The purpose of women is to help men so that they can accomplish and fulfill God's purpose for mankind. Verse 19, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field and to every Adam there was, but for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took out one of his ribs. And closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. God made women for men. God made women for a uh, a purpose. So if you look at this map, you can see the different diagnosis increase of abomination is what this is called. It's not gender dysphoria. It's Abomination. And so the increase of abominations generally are darker in Democrat, more liberal states. Look at my state of Oklahoma. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But this attack on children. Look at South Dakota. God bless. The attack on children, the attack on the image of God is unlawful. Not only is it unlawful, but it's an abomination and God hates it. God hates it. And because I know that there's people who hate God that are lurking in the audience and they hate the idea that the Bible talks. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. God thinks it is detestable for homosexuality. He thinks sodomy is detestable. He thinks that outside of his order activity, he hates it. Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5. The woman shall not wear wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. If you are a woman wearing man's clothes, that's an abomination. If you are a man wearing woman's clothes, that's an abomination. So this is key whenever we understand what the law is, because in America we have a constitutional republic that is built on the common law, the common law comes from the Christian tradition of applying God's wisdom to government. So, Christianity gave the world the common law. And so that's what we have. So, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5 The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. God hates people that wear each other's, you know, the, the gender junk. It's not even a thing. It's not a thing. Now, I want to go one step further because this isn't going to stop. Because you have evil God-haters, evil Christ-deniers that are going to increase the use of government to advance the perversion and depravity of society. Scotland is abandoning children to trans-extremists. Now this article goes on to say this, imagine this, not very far in the future, an 11 year old boy comes home and says he's a girl. He dresses to go out with his friends wearing a padded bra and a micro skirt along with face full of makeup. When his parents tell him he can't go out looking like that, he says it's his way of expressing his gender identity and threatens to call the police. In a sane country, nothing more would happen but perhaps a brief temper tantrum. If the boys in Scotland, however, under new proposals that have a real chance of being enacted, the story could one day end quite differently. And they go on to talk about how Scotland is proposing to take children away from parents when parents do not affirm this abomination. This is why it's for me, my duty, now that I know the fundamental law, to bring it to you. So if you want to know, and by the way, Scotland is a common law nation. America is a common law nation. Canada is a common law nation. Australia is a common law nation. New Zealand is a common law nation. The United Kingdom, Great Britain, these all these nations, these are common law nations. So whenever I talk about the common law, everyone, everything that I say in those nations that are common law nations, that is the law. That starts with the Bible. So now that we've talked about the Bible, let's go into what the law says. With this, I want to start with... Um, I want to start with Blackstone. William Blackstone was a British jurist who explains and wrote out what the law was. Let me jihad this real big. All right. This right here is, this is Volume 1, Chapter 16 of Parent and Child. If I go here to page 281, uh, 281, we talk about how William Blackstone says what the duty of parents is in the law. This is the duty of parents in the law, right? He says, the next and most universal relations in nature is immediately derived from the preceding, being that between parent and child. So now this is the common law. This is what the common law says regarding parents and children, right? So here it says, and first, the duties of parents to legitimate children, which principally consist in three particulars, their maintenance, their protection, and their education, so the duty of parents is what? The maintenance of children, the protection of children, and the education of children. This is your duty uh, as a parent in the law. He goes on further. The duty of parents to provide for the maintenance of their children is a principle of natural law. Where does natural law come from? Natural law is what the Bible lays down. It is the order that God gives and created in the earth, in, the, in creation. So when God says there is male and female, that's natural law. So a principle of natural law, that which children come from their parents, a principle of natural law is that the parents have a duty to maintain the children that they bring about. An obligation, says Pufendorf, which is another jurist before Blackstone, laid on them not only by nature herself, but by their own proper act in bringing them into the world. See, you don't just have uh, a duty by nature. You don't just have a duty because that's God's order, right? Because children come from their parents. You have a duty because you brought them into the world. You brought them into the world. God put the life in the womb. And when God put the life in the womb, you fostered that because it's God's order for you to take care of what he's given you. For they would be in the highest manner injurious to their issue if they only gave their children life that they might afterwards see them perish. See, it is the highest manner injurious, which means you are doing wrong. If you give birth to a child and don't take care of them, that is an injury to the child. See, it's not enough just to say that you've given children life. You have to take care of them or else you're injuring them. By begetting them, therefore, they have entered into a voluntary obligation to endeavor. That means to work, to persevere, to not quit, to continue, to keep going. As far as in them lies. Now, this is why there's the emotional argument, well, these women have to commit abortions because they're going to give up their careers or I don't have the money or whatever. But that's not the law. You can't murder your child in the womb. We can cover abortion on another topic if you want to. But if you have children, you begot them. God put that life in the womb. Nature has an order that that child will either be a male or a female. And when you bring that children about, that child about, you have a duty to take care of them. That the life which they have bestowed shall be supported and preserved. Now, if you get the life according to natural law, and natural law is derivative from the Bible, then when the Bible says that God hates a woman to wear a man's clothes, a male to wear a woman's clothes, when he calls it an abomination, when he says that there is only male and female if God creates the category male and female, he doesn't create the category of or. He doesn't create the category of both. You are not either or. You are male and or you are male or female. Period. You are what he made you to be. No gender jumping. And thus the children will have the perfect right of receiving maintenance from their parents. Children have the perfect right To receive maintenance from their parents. If the parent is not taking care of the children, that is an injury against the child. Does that make sense? Now, let's go down here to 282. Let us next see what provision our own laws have made for this natural duty. Natural duty. This is not a duty in the law that man makes. This is a natural duty that God makes. And when we look at the maxims of the common law, when we look at the maxims of law here in a second, remember this. There are natural duties that you have. It is a principle of law that there is an obligation on every man to provide for those descended from his loins. And the manner in which this obligation shall be performed is thus pointed out. The father and mother, grandfather and grandmother of poor, impotent persons shall maintain them at their own charges. You got to take care of your kids with your money, even if you're poor. If of sufficient ability, according to the quarter session shall direct. And if a parent runs away, if you ditch your kid. And leave your children, the church wardens and overseers of the parish shall seize his rents, goods, chattels, and dispose of them towards the relief. Notice it says the church wardens. Folks, the church is supposed to take care of the orphans and the widows. The church is supposed to be taking care of the destitute and the impoverished. This is why whenever Christians hear a gospel message that says that they need to be looking up and waiting for the rapture instead of out towards the lost and preaching them the gospel, the church is not using what God gives the church to take care of the poor, to take care of the impotent, to take care of the orphans and the widows. As a result of this, the church is disengaged from society, which is why government has tried to step up and assume that mantle, which it shouldn't, it doesn't have that responsibility, it doesn't have that power. And it will fail in doing so. But this is saying that whenever the parents leave the children, the church can take the parent's stuff and use it for the benefit of the kid. This is the common law. This is what the law says: the the uh, the church wardens and overseers of the parish sa- shall seize his rents. This is the this is the payments you're making for your house your goods, your chattels, that's your animals, that's your property, and dispose of them towards their relief. If if the church is taking care of the kid, the church has every right and power to go get the parent's stuff, sell it, or use it for the benefit of the children. Why? Because it is the natural duty of the parent to maintain and take care of their kids. Period. Now, let's go down one last bit. This is uh 283. or Excuse me. This is page 451. Excuse me, page 283, book 1, chapter 16. Book 1, chapter 16, Blackstone's Commentaries. The last duty of parents to their children is that of giving them an education. So parents have to educate their kids. Now, where did he get this? Where did he get this? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, where's my camera? Here's a pen. If we go to Deuteronomy, chapter 6... Now these are the commandments and statutes. This is a uh, Deuteronomy six. Now these are the commandments and statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you may do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and commands which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and thy days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, thy observe to do it that it may be well with thee, that you may increase mightily. As the Lord God, as the fathers have promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey, hear, O Israel: The Lord our God, the Lord, uh, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, and with all of thy soul, and with all of thy might. Verse six: And these words which I, God, command thee this day, shall be in thy heart. And thou, that's you, parents, shall teach them diligently unto thy children. You see how Deuteronomy chapter six says what. That this is a command. The parents are commanded by God to teach what? The scriptures, the commands of God, diligently to their children. And you shall talk of them in when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and thou shalt be as frontlets on their eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of the house, and on thy gates. You are supposed to be teaching your children you have an obligation to educate your kids. So when Blackstone is saying in Blackstone's commentaries that the last duty of the parents is to give them an education suitable to their station in life, you, as the parent, have to teach your kids. Now look at what he goes on to say. A, do- a duty pointed out by reason and of the far greatest importance of any. Your greatest duty as the parent is to train your children how to think so that they can survive and be uh, capable and competent of taking care of themselves and other people. And what you'll do is, as you go on and read Blackstone, to further along the customs, the usages, the traditions of your people. This is why it's a bad thing as you look at the immigration series we did. When someone leaves their home, when they leave their nation, it is an injury to the nation that they leave. Because they're taking that wisdom, that education, that knowledge that they've been given by the people that were there. And so if you were given education and you leave your nation, you're hurting your people. So if you have... Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're a parent and you're teaching your children, that's your duty to give them the education, the knowledge, not only to further society, but to also make them individually competent for them to take care of themselves. For as Pufendorf very well observes, it is not easy to imagine or allow. So this is what's, what he's about to say is not easy for a parent to do. That a parent has conferred, given any considerable benefit upon his child by bringing him into the world if... So in other words, you as a parent don't give your kids anything good if you don't do what? If afterwards entirely neglects his culture and education, if you neglect teaching your children about their culture, if you neglect teaching your children about how to be competent and to take care of themselves and how to you know uh, think for posterity, how to uh, problem solve, how to do things, if you do that and suffers him to grow up like a mere beast, to lead a life useless to others and shameful to himself you are not doing your duty if you do not educate your children in your culture and edu- and if you don't educate them in the culture and the ways and customs of the of the nation now this is important because whenever you have um, whenever you have this type of increase in abomination you have this much increase in abomination in this nation Right, and this is let me let me do that. Oh, we gotta unclick. You have this much increase. This is from on definitive healthcare by Kavya Bahara Axios. You've got this much jumping in abomination in America, and this much jumping in abomination in America shows it shows that there are parents that are not ch- uh, teaching. Excuse me, shouldn't have done that. There's parents. It's page what two eighty two. 282 there it shows that there's parents 283 it shows that there's parents that are not giving them education that are that are neglecting their education and culture this right here this right here shows that there is a sex focused abandonment abomination in America now what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to lay out the case we first started with the bible Right. And we can go to we can go to what Jesus says. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 19. He reiterates what uh, the Bible says in um, Genesis one. When Jesus says Matthew 19, verse four, let me bring up the camera so you can see the word of God. And you don't know. You don't think that I'm making it up. Matthew 19, verse four, Matthew 19, verse four. And he answered and said unto them, have ye not come on now? Have you not read that which he made them at the beginning, made them male and female? So God made two genders, male and female, right? There's another one. We can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And you can read here that, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, there you go, there's your uh, sexually promiscuous, nor idolaters, uh, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. There's your there's your homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. So there's your people that are chopping themselves up, nor thieves, nor covetous. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. You are baptized in his name. You are born again. But ye are sanctified. You are improved. You are set apart. But ye are justified, which means you stand right with God, because in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. This shows... The Bible teaches when you are born again, when you believe the gospel, when you're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, that you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It means you are not going to do things the way of the world. I could also go to Romans chapter 1 and talk about how the people who are uh, of reprobate mind, um, they will leave their... They will leave God's order and they will pursue strange flesh. They will be homosexuals. They will be catamites, sodomites. They will be these types of things. These are Bible words and you should use them because people who hate the Bible hate these words. So you should use them because it is your religious expression to say what the Bible says. Now, what I want to get at is the trusty maxims. I want to go to our maxims of law. And what we're going to do here is a maxim of law is a chief argument in reason and these stand without need for proof or argument. There is no argument against the maxims of law. And the very first one that we want to start with is we want to go to 49, uh, what's this, 49I, where's this, where's this, we want to go to 49I, and we want to say this, 49I, the Christian religion is part of the common law. So America is a common law nation, and this says the Christian religion is part of the common law. I just read you the Bible that says that this is all um, this is all abomination, that transgender stuff is an abomination to the Lord. So this means that even though a parent wants their children to jump and they want to mutilate their children, they can't go against the Christian religion because the Christian religion is part of the common law. Now watch this. For those people that are like, parents got a liberty interest, Jaron. You can't do that. Where the divinity is insulted, the case is impardonable. It's unpardonable. You can't pardon a case that insults God. What did we read in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 1? Proverbs chapter 11 verse 1 says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Real fast, if this is useful to you, if you appreciate what this is, go ahead and join the private membership association at humblewb.coffee, where you get delicious air-roasted coffee delivered right to your door as a benefit of helping that organization, that association, mail Bibles around the nation. If you want Bibles mailed around the nation and you receive the benefit of delicious air-roasted coffee right to your door, go to humble wb.coffee humblewb.coffee, 99% of coffee makers put the coffee in a metal bucket, spin it around, set it on fire, and load it up with a bunch of fake stuff. Air roasted coffee doesn't do that. Humble whole bean coffee at humblewb.coffee doesn't do that. No preservatives, no additives, all organic, all for trade, delivered right to your door as a benefit. Whenever you join the private membership association that delivers Bibles around the nation, go to humblewb.coffee, humblewb.coffee. These maxims are critical. You have to understand where the divinity is insulted, the case is unpardonable. Whenever you insult the image of God, whatever it is that you're doing is unpardonable, which means you can't allow it to permit. Justice must be done to that. So there will be people, and and someone sent me an article, I didn't clip it and I don't know where to find it, where there are people arguing Troxell Granville. Let me find this real fast. Troxell Granville is a uh, Supreme Court case from 2000 and it is, let me look it up, Troxell versus Granville. Uh, Troxell Granville is a Supreme Court case, let me jihad this. Uh, that talks about the liberty interest of the parents. Now, this is critical because there will be people. I don't want to unjihad that a little bit. There will be people that talk about um, you know a uh, child's best interest or visitation rights. Now, this case right here is talking about how parents have uh, children are a liberty interest of their parents, and because. Children are a, a liberty entrance of their parents. The state cannot infringe on them. Instead, unconstitutionally infringes on parents' fundamental rights to rear their children, reasoning that the federal constitution permits a state to interfere with this right only to prevent harm or potential harm to the child. Now, this is uh, what the Supreme Court struck down. But this, this statute here, if you read this statute, that is not common law. Statutory law, statutory crimes are uh, derivative from the legislature. We read in the common law, we read where the parents have an obligation to educate their uh, children. We read in the common law where parents have to provide, they have an obligation to provide for everyone descended from their loins. We read in the common law where it's a principle of natural law that parents have to maintain their children. You can't just throw them away. You can't harm them. And it is in the highest manner injurious to the children if all you do is just give them life and then chuck them away. We also read in the Bible where you cannot uh, do this gender jumping because the Bible was given to us as God's word. If God wanted to entertain the idea that you could be a gender jumper. He would say that. But the Bible commands us, Deuteronomy 22, that a woman can't wear the clothes of a man. The man can't wear the clothes of a woman. You can't be effeminate uh, into the kingdom of God. You can't be a sodomite. You can't be a fornicator. You can't be a liar. You can't be a murderer. You can't be an adulterer, a reviler, someone in contention. But there will be people who use this Supreme Court case to say, hey, we have uh, fundamental rights concerning their care, custody, control of their children. Isn't that what the Blackstone says? Isn't that what Blackstone says? In the care, the custody, control of their children. But this is where it's important that you have to understand the maxims because there will be people that take this and twist that and they need to know the Christian religion is part of the common law. They need to know what the maxims say because if they don't know what the maxims say, they'll go against it. Now, I want to go to 58 CC or excuse me, 58 MM. Maxim 58 MM says here, no one is presumed to have preferred another's posterity to his own. This means that, so no one is presumed. So you can't lead. It's not, um, it's not a presumption of fact to have preferred, which means you choose. So no one is presumed to have chosen another's posterity, posterity means future, to his own. This means that the, the maximum of law is that people presume their posterity. So in the law, you presume your posterity and not that of another's because your posterity is your liberty interest. This means that if you have a child and you want to gender jump them, you want to mutilate them, you want to perform an abomination of the Lord, you are preferring another's posterity to your own. You can't do this. You can't go against your own posterity. You, you can't attack the child. Now, what I want to do here is I want to go to 51I. 51I. If we go to 51I. 51I. 51I speaks about individual liberties are antecedent to all government. So your individual liberties are before all government. So no government... Can, can make anything on your liberties. And if no government can uh, violate your individual liberties because your individual liberties come before government, you have to ask where do people get the rights? Where do people get their liberties? They get them from God. Now this is why when people start bringing up stupid stuff like... Um, when, when people start talking in the law like they have a right to an abortion or they have a right to change their gender. Let's see this. Trans- oh, oh, uh, I, I, I looked it up. It's from the ACLU. These godless commies hate Jesus. They wrote in 2013 something called protecting the rights of transgender parents and their children. There's no such thing. See, these rights that they're specifying here, those aren't of the Lord. Those aren't constitutional rights. Those aren't natural rights. And because those aren't natural rights and they're not constitutional rights, they might be civil rights. But whenever you bring the maxims, whenever you tell people about the constitutions, the fundamental law, the constitutions and the maxims trump the, these derivative laws. So when people say the transgenders, I can chop up my kid or we can take your kid if you, if you deny their gender jumping or the whatever, you can't do that. And I'll show you in the maxims. We go to the ones where it talks about the minors. This is section 80. And what we'll do here. So, so my point for bringing up the ACLU is that they've written things to say protecting the rights of transgender parents and their children. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a transgender right. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because your rights come from God. They do not come from uh, statute or provision or sexual depravity. Here you have minor, uh, juvenile, right? A minor can make his condition better, but by no means worse. So if you are a male, you can only make your condition better. You cannot make yourself better than a male. So when you say that if, if you are a male and you say, I feel better as a female, that's no, that's there's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as that because you can't make yourself worse. You can't make your condition worse. There's no way. Absolutely no way. And a minor can't even make an oath, which means a minor cannot swear under penalty of perjury. So whenever you have transgender child activists, they can't even swear under the law. So that means in the law, they're not even speaking. So whenever you've got little kids uh, with bullhorns leading rallies saying that they want to be able to gender jump, that's actually not admissible in the law because they can't swear. They can't make an oath. A minor ought not to be a guardian to a minor, so you can't have children taking care of children, right? Um, There's another one that I'm looking for. Get the uh, thing out of the way. We want to say, oh, the law aids minors. Now, the law, you just saw, 49i, the Christian religion is part of the common law. The law aids minors. This is why the church you saw in Blackstone is able to take the property, the chattels of the parents and pay them for the provision of the youths that they abandon. Why? Because the law aids minors. You are not able to be aired. A minor is is to be aided as a youth is liable to err. This means that children are going to make decisions that aren't good. Because they're going to make decisions that aren't good, the law is there to help them right um, so so this is this is I mean this these are the maxims you can't there is no argument against this now people might not like this and I'm sure they won't the people who hate Jesus who want to have perform abominations who want to pay for this that's what they're gonna do the other thing that that's what's gonna happen and this is I'll do an explain sketch here where we will do just like abortion the gender jumping surgeries will be done. Um, they will be done as uh, commercial activities. You watch. That's what they're going to be doing. It's, it's going to be the same thing. Um, it's going to be the same thing. Let me do this. It's going to be the same thing as um, Roe v. Wade first established the consolidated cases to uh, against vague and ambiguous statutes. And because the vague and ambiguous statutes uh, in Texas were criminalizing abortion. Roe v. Wade said that if people were going to try to pursue a commercial activity, that a vague and ambiguous criminal statute outlawing abortion for the benefit of the mother was too vague and ambiguous to prevent the commercial uh, activity. So this is going to be transgender, uh, can't even spell, because they can't even think. Transgender, which is really, we'll, we'll just we'll just call it abomination. We'll call it abomination. We won't even give it the word abomination rights. Do you have a right to be abomination? No, you do not. So here's abomination rights. Abomination rights, we're first going to start off with God, because God made everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he changed things whenever he did the death, the burial, the resurrection. Now, out of the grave... Came Jesus, and Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight, verse eighteen through twenty, "All power in heaven and earth are given to me. Go ye therefore." This is, by the way, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go ye there. Uh, all power and authority have given to me uh, in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Uh, teach all nations uh, to obey, um, or excuse me, make disciples and teach, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, teaching uh, all nations to obey all my commands, and lo, I'll be with you always until the end of the until the end of the age. So when he says go, right when when Jesus says go, he actually commissions the church, which is his kingdom. He commissions the church to go teach the nations to obey. Now, in the common law tradition, that has been we the people. Our founders were Christian. And because our founders were Christians, they knew their Bibles, they read their Bibles, and they applied the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus said go, he commissioned his church to go teach the nations to obey. Because the founders were Christians, they understood that rights equal power of free action so jesus gave you power which are your rights and he told you the church to go teach the nations to obey so the founders understood this and so they reserved our rights to ourselves these rights are outside the powers of the general powers of government they include life liberty property they include uh, due process and all these others then they created a big fat wall that you can't penetrate, then they created the constitutions, the 51 constitutions, 50 states and the one constitution. Each constitution has a legislative branch, each constitution has an executive branch, each constitution has a judicial branch. This is your basic frame of government. Every constitution is an express trust, which means exactly what is written is the law, nothing more, nothing less. And it means, and the words mean what they meant when they were they when they were ratified. Okay, so this is the frame of government. Now, because the U.S. Constitution grants the power of the Congress the power to regulate commerce, that's U.S. Constitution um, uh, Article One, Section Eight, Clause Three. The legislature in the U.S. Congress is going to write statutes. Those statutes are going to say that there's a such thing as medical services. These medical services are nothing more than commerce because these statutes are also going to create entities, LLCs and stuff like that. These entities are going to be conducting commerce. And so because they're going to be conducting commerce, they're going to be regulated by these statutes, by the legislature, using these medical services. These medical services, you mark my words, will include and have included abortion. They will include abomination services is what we'll call them. Abomination services, which is uh, gender jumpers. right? So these, this is where it's going to be. So the medical services are going to become commercial activities. So whenever you bring, or when people bring uh, suits, you're going to have, uh, we go over here to law schools. Law schools teach statute, rules, and case law. These statutes, rules, and case law are all derivations after this. So the attorneys, so these law schools then do what? They generate an attorney. And an attorney does what? An attorney, if you look up the definition to a turn, it means to turn over. So these attorneys represent people. So they they take you. They represent people as persons in the law. And they do it for money. And they are part of the Bar Association, which is itself a private membership association that uses courts for commerce. So the Bar Association is a private membership association that uses courts for commerce, full of attorneys. That's why they're all bar members, right? bar members this is why when they say they're going to take my bar license it's not a license it's a membership card but whenever they uh, lose this they no longer be able they're no longer able to participate in courts for commerce so if law schools are teach, teaching statutes rules and case law and they create attorneys that are bar members that represent people as persons for money in courts then it's to the benefit of attorneys to never talk about the constitution which is the fundamental law. But to always talk about this stuff, which is all derivative, derivative, all derivative law, right? Everything after the Constitution is derivative from the Constitution. People have rights reserved from the powers of government, which means nothing in government can touch people's rights unless they go to a court of record. And you can do that. You can learn more from my teacher, a guy named Dave Jose, and he's on Twitter with his for you at Twitter. Right? So you can go learn that stuff, but this is what's happening. And so, whenever you have abomination rights, abomination rights, what those are actually going to do is you're actually going to have statutes here that say trans, right? This is where it's going to say this stuff. Or I I should say. This is where you have civil rights. This is civil rights legislation. So whenever you have someone say civil rights, civil rights are statutes that come from legislative power. So it means it's a derivative power from the constitution, which is not the same thing as a reserved right that comes from Jesus. So God gives you your rights. The founders, because they were Christians and they read the Bible, created an express trust that only exists to defend our rights that are blocked by this and these rights are coming from God which means the Bible is critical the Bible is critical to understanding what your rights are so when there is someone saying well I want the civil right to chop or cut right this right here chop or cut this is now going to be called a civil right. The abomination rights are going to be called a civil right. And these civil rights are going to be statutes. So then they're going to say, we have the ability to say this. Which is why whenever there are conservative legislators or Republicans or whoever that say, we need to pass legislation to go ahead and stop this. What they're not doing is recognizing this. They, the, conservative legislators, the conservative legislators don't see this. They see this. And so the conservative legislators, and this is basically all the focus of politics. All the focus of politics is to put your servant somewhere here. To get the right judge. To get the right president. Right? This is the purpose of politics. The purpose of politics is to fight over derivative power. You're fighting for table scraps. Table scraps. And because you fight for table scraps, you are always fighting over something that's stupid when you should just say, hey, here's what the fundamental law says, and I have these rights, and we saw in the common law where parents have to take care of their kids. Parents have to educate their kids and the Bible tells you how to educate your kids. The Bible doesn't say that you can be a parent educating your kid about homosexuality, sodomy, gender jumping or other thing like that. And so whenever the government comes and writes a statute to try to call something a civil right, it's actually not using power that it was granted. It's twisting the uh, intent of the express trust because attorneys want to run game for money. And then what attorneys will do is they'll say that this is a civil right and we get to do this so that these people can conduct commerce because there's a bunch of money in gender jumping kids right now. And because there's a bunch of money in gender, gender jumping kids, they can offer medical services in commerce and so they get commerce. And so this is what the world knows. This is what all the podcasters and all the pundits, this is what they all say. And so then the conservatives will say, let's vote harder GOP and get conservative legislators in office so that they can stop these statutes. But they'll never recognize the rights. They don't know the fundamental law. They don't know the maxims. They don't know any of this stuff because they haven't been taught because they don't learn from Dave Jose. And as a result, this is what happens. And so let's say that the conservative states will actually pass another statute. Let's say the conservative states pass a statute that says no abomination. Well, why do they have to pass a statute that says no abomination? When, why, why do they have to pass pass a statute that says no abomination, when the rights aren't there, when the power was never granted? And so what's going to happen here? And this is that ACLU case, right? This thing right here, protecting the rights of transgender parents and their children. What they're going to do is they're going to use Troxville Granville. What did we look up? They're going to use what? They're going to use Troxville Granville because on the care, custody, and control of their children. But these gender jumpers, these abominators, these god haters, they're going to argue the liberty of the parents, children... The God-haters are going to argue this whenever the conservatives do this. So when conservative legislators write no abomination, no gender jumping, no chop, no cut, no nothing. This is what conservatives are going to say. And they're going to say, yay, GOP. And the GOP is going to say, yay, GOP, we just passed this legislation. But this legislation is a statute coming from the legislature, coming from the Constitution. is an express trust from the people. The people reserve the rights to liberty. The children are a liberty interest of their parents. And so whenever the conservative legislators pass no abomination, what's going to happen is you're going to have people attack this right here using what? The rights of the children. And they're going to argue Troxville-Granville, Troxville v. Granville... That says that uh, they're going to argue Troxville-Granville that says the liberty interests of the parent trump that of the state. And so if you don't know your maxims, if you don't know the fundamental law, if you don't know the Bible, if you don't know the frame of government, conservative legislators, after all that politics, all those donations, all those podcasts, and all those vote for me to get a true conservative in office, all of that if it translates into abomin- no abomination legislation, if that happens, they're going to celebrate and say, Yay, GOP! And then the judges are going to throw it down because of Troxville-Granville. And when the judges throw it down, you're going to have these people say, We need to vote harder to get more presidents, to get more conservative judges, because these, these judges hate Jesus. And even though they might actually hate Jesus, they're not actually arguing the law They're arguing derivative law, which means that they're all treating this abomination, this cut and chop, they're all treating it as commerce. And so even if these judges hate Jesus, the Troxville versus Granville argument that children are a liberty interest of their parents are going to smash the no abomination legislation, which means that whenever people get more GOP in office and they do this, they're not actually going to know the law, they're gonna go derivative powers, which is table scraps compared. And so what you actually need to do is you first need to come up here and say the liberty interest of their children, Uh, parents have a liberty interest which is their children, and then you need to stand on the fundamental law and the maxims, and you actually need to use the constitution to go after abomination parents. Abom parents. So if you are abomination parents, you saw where the church can go take their stuff to pay for the provision of the children. So if parents are teaching their children to be beasts and worthless to society, if abomination parents get abomination children because they're gender jumping and they're doing all this stuff, you saw in the maxims where the children can't swear. You saw in the maxims how the law has to aid minors. You saw in the maxims how the children can't be hurt by the law. So the children can't be permitted to go to medical services that chop or cut because it goes against what the Bible says, which is what the rights were reserved in the liberty. And you can't do that, abomination parent. If you do that, abomination parent, we're going to take your stuff. We're going to take all your money. We're going to take your stuff and use it for the benefit of the kid from the church. The church is going to take your stuff and... And use it to benefit the kid, where we will then teach that children or that kid the Bible. We will teach them the gospel. We will teach them how to not be an abomination. That is how you use the law. That's what the fundamental law is. What you do not do is you don't grant the premise that this derivative power, these table scraps regulating commerce, are actually what's permitting the butchering and the chopping up of children. You need to understand the fundamental law, understand the maxims, go learn from Dave and take his uh, webinars, and there's your explain sketch for that. Listen, if what I do matters at all, you can sign up and go to the Zoom call with myself and my wife tomorrow at nowgo2war.com, or you can go ahead and be a shopper at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I literally just drew you a picture That shows the fundamental law on how to use the maxims in the Constitution to protect children. If that's worth anything, you can take your dollars to support American manufacturing and me at PatriotSwitch.com. Most importantly is the gospel. If you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. If it's not obvious that our nation and our society is godless, look around. There is lawlessness. There is chaos. There are fornicators. There are idolaters. There are all sorts of evils going on in this nation. The good news is that Jesus Christ... Came to this earth. He lived this perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross for the remission of our sins. When you hear the gospel, you are invited to obey and believe the gospel. To believe the gospel means that you understand that Jesus took your cri- took your sins on the cross. He died for your sins. He was buried physically dead in the grave. And then he physically rose from the grave. When you believe that, you obey that. There's no such thing as separating belief from obedience, those two things God considers them the same. If you obey, if you believe something, you will obey it. If you believe the gospel, you will obey the gospel. Those two things are not separate. They might be separate in the Western mind that wants to dive into the academics and do an exploded view of things. But James says, um, you know, works without, uh, you know, works with uh, faith without works is dead. That concept is God telling you they are the same. They are the same. Not that you earn your salvation because you don't, but you definitely don't just say, oh, I believe it, but you bear no fruit. That doesn't make sense. How can you not bear fruit, but say that you believe God? That's actually an insult to Jesus. It's an insult to the king. If you say you believe the king, but you don't behave as though you believe the king, that's an insult. So don't insult Jesus, believe and obey the gospel. That means you will understand what he did for you. What he did, he took your sins on the cross. He died, he was physically risen from the grave. When you believe that, you will be confessing your sin, you will be acknowledging that he is Lord of all creation, and you will be baptized into his name, which is the admission into his church. When you are baptized in his name, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Peter writes about that baptism as it's a symbol, the same symbol as Noah and the flood, uh, that he was saved as though by water. When you do this, you are a new creation. You read the Bible. You follow Jesus. You use his wisdom and you apply it to all walks of your life. It's not just church on Sunday. It's your relationships. It's your discipline, both personal, collective. It's how you do business. It's how you talk to people. It's how you think. Now, this is a process. It's a process because there are times when your flesh gets the best of you and you give into it. You fall into temptation or you say, you know what? I'm going to do that because I want to do that. This is where you need to repent. You need to repent and turn back to Christ. You need to follow Christ. You need to... Chop off your hand or gouge out your eye if it causes you to stumble because sin is that deadly and Christ is that good. Please believe and obey the gospel, my friends. I said the best way you can help me is the slash Jaren. It really is a good situation. It's different. Most people, um, you know, most people who have done it, uh, they like it, they prefer it. If you do it, try it once. You don't like it? No harm, no foul. Cancel anytime, no cost of cancellation. But it's American manufacturing, household products delivered right to your door. Take the money out and away from the godless commies and give it to American manufacturing. You can benefit me in the work that I do in the process. British. You can also sign up at nowgo2war.com and be at the Zoom. Call tomorrow evening with myself and my wife. If you want more uh, explanations or answer or questions answered. Until then, uh, Lord Willen will be back tomorrow. Um, let me know what you guys think about um, this. The the content. I, I'm I'm kind of doing more like topical stuff, but deep dives into the fundamental law. Let me know how you guys think about that. If it's worth anything, if it's useful. The explain sketches. Just let me know and uh, please share the content and support the effort. I appreciate your time. Lord Willen will be back tomorrow. Until then, my name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war.